0: The book of Zhuangzi, the great Taoist philosopher, begins with a mind-blowing allegory about a fish named Quin, which is thousands of miles in width and length. Yes, you heard me right. He said that the body of that Quin fish is thousands of miles long. Incredible, isn't it? What's more incredible is that this fish suddenly turns into a bird named Peng. With a flap of his wings, he rises up to 3,000 miles above the ocean. Then riding a whirlwind, he ascends to 90,000 miles above the ground. Its wingspan is thousands of miles wide. So when it flies, it covers the sky. Then this pan-bird travels to the southern darkness known as the Pool of Heaven. And it flies without resting for six months. Seeing the pan bird in the sky, a cicada makes fun of it by telling a pigeon, "You know, each time I try to fly up an elm tree, I fall back to the ground. What chance does a bird survive ninety thousand miles high? Ridiculous!" A quail also laughs at the pan bird. "Hey, what are you doing up there? I only live up to a few feet and get what I want." What's the point of flying up to 90,000 miles high? Meaningless. However, the pampered at 90 miles up there doesn't react to the ridicules of the small creatures. He enjoys the breathtaking vision of the Earth's grandeur from up high. The noises down there doesn't bother him at all. You know, this book was written by Zhuangzi over 2,000 years ago. So it was before Christ. The entire book is filled with profound parables with rich imagination. I encourage everyone to read it. It's part of the Penguin Classic. The question is, what does this story mean? According to some scholars, the quinfish means a tiny fish or a baby fish. So the author is describing the size of its mental capacity, or spiritual state. It means this fish is physically tiny, but spiritually vast. Its ambition is to fly to the pool of heaven, symbolizing a person with a vision to seek the kingdom of God. Since its top and single priority is to seek the kingdom of God, the criticisms and ridicules and condemnations of other creatures out there don't bother him. Allegorically, this fish represents the spiritual seekers like us. Our vision is eternal life. Our destination is the kingdom of God. The cicadas, the quails, and other creatures represent those who don't understand us. They often ridicule us for believing in God, reading the Bible, and going to church. Like the pan-bird flying 90 miles above, we see what God sees. Therefore, we shouldn't care about what those small creatures are chattering about. They are making fun of what they don't understand. But if we pay attention to the naysayers, we will become one of them and lose our pursuit of the kingdom. According to King David, the kingdom is where the true happiness is. Let's look at a real-life example currently in the news. When Elon Musk was building Tesla, initially, I thought he was crazy because I was like one of those cicadas and quails who believed he would fail. But I was wrong. Then he went on to do other things even crazier, building SpaceX, Newer Link, Boring Company, etc., flying higher and higher. Observing him with humility, I discovered that the higher he climbed, the noisier the small creatures became. He got ridiculed and criticized and slandered for trying to fulfill his vision that those with arrogant small minds could not comprehend. As you hear in the news, those who don't see what he sees mock him constantly like those noisy cicadas. I think that's an excellent contemporary allegory. For us as Christians, on our journey to the kingdom of heaven, we see what God sees. We are like the pen bird flying up at 90,000 miles above the sea and look ridiculous to those who don't see what we see. Sometimes we do feel noisy cicadas to be annoying. Jesus said his followers will encounter misunderstanding, ridicules, even persecution by worldly-minded people. Paul said those who are unspiritual do not receive the gifts of God's Spirit, for they are foolishness to them, and they are unable to understand them because they are spiritually discerned, 1 Corinthians 2.14. He says our discernment is foolishness to the unspiritual because they don't have the gifts of God's Spirit. So they can't comprehend what we see. Then Paul said, Those who are spiritual discern all things, and they are themselves subject to no one else's scrutiny, like those cicadas. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, 15-16 We have the mind of Christ to discern all things. That's an incredible gift. We must treasure and develop that. We should not be bothered by the criticism of those who don't have the mind of Christ. They are just noises. Jesus wants us to keep awake, meaning not to fall into the temptations of those noises. The word keep awake is translated from Greek, a group nos, which also means to be watchful. So to keep awake is stewardship of vision and discernment. Don't fight with the noisy cicadas because they can blind us. Do you see what God sees? It's essential to see what God sees at noisy times like this. Or you can be swallowed alive by the noises of the fallen world. So today we will explore Jesus' teaching from this week's scripture lesson to discover what Jesus wants us to see at these trying times. So let's begin. Hi, in case we haven't met yet, I'm Sam Stone, the Light Keeper. You are the light of the world and I am the keeper. No pun intended. It's my calling to help you shine your brightest so that God is glorified in you and you are satisfied in God. The scripture for this first Sunday of Advent is from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 13, verses 24 to 37. Listen to the word of the Lord. But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be fallen from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds, with great power and glory. Then He will send out the angels, and gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forward its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that He is near, at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about the day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware! or else He may find you asleep when He comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. Mark 13, 24-37 Blessed are those who delight in God's Word. Thanks be to God. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. The scripture lesson continues to focus on the Advent of Jesus' second coming. Transitioning to the first coming next week, on the second Sunday of Advent. Let's look at the context. Jesus was in Jerusalem for the last time before his crucifixion. He taught at the temple and debated with the religious leaders who plot to kill him. He warned them that this beautiful temple would be destroyed, leaving no stone over another. The disciples were shocked to hear that because this temple was so strongly built and they asked when it would happen. Jesus gave them a long discourse describing the signs of the end time, saying no one knows the exact time, but everyone who has the eyes to see can observe the signs of the time. He also gives us instructions as to how to see what God sees during his second advent. Since we live between His departure and His second coming, these teachings are very relevant to us. So let's look at it. First, he begins describing the sight and sound of his arrival. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun would be darkened, and the moon would not give its light, and the stars would be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens would be shaken. Mark 13:24 to 25. Notice the phrase, after that suffering. It refers to the passage before this, where Jesus describes the persecutions Christians will suffer. It will be much worse than the noises of the ridicules of the cicadas and the criticism of the quails. We will encounter persecutions and suffering worse than anything since the creation then we will see the sights and sounds of His arrival. It's beyond our comprehension, but we have no worries if we do the right things as He instructed us to do. As we cover in the past three weeks, it's all about stewardship. This passage is about the stewardship of vision, seeing what God sees. He says, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds and from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Verses 26 to 27. That's an incredible sight beyond anything we have seen and even beyond our imagination. The good news is that that will mark the end of our suffering on this fallen world. The angels will gather us, his elect, From wherever you are, we all want to be there, and we must stay awake to be there. Some people find this concept of elect troubling because we wonder why God doesn't elect everyone. I know that comes out of a kind heart, but that's a mystery we have to wait and see. Based on what we know, we can trust the grace of God. Everyone will leave the scene of the final judgment saying, it's just. For now, we are grateful for being part of the elect. Our life is a life of thanksgiving. Now Jesus talks about how to anticipate the day of his second coming. He says, From the fig tree learns its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Verses 28 to 29. He says that Christians have the gift of discerning the time. It's as simple as knowing summer is near when we see trees put forth their leaves. That means when the time comes, you will instinctively know it because you have the mind of Christ. Then he says, truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Verses 30 to 31. This verse is often misinterpreted because the word generation in Greek, "genia" is also used to mean a race or a type of people. For example, in Matthew 12, Jesus said, This evil and adulterous generation. That obviously doesn't mean that the entire generation of his time is evil and adulterous. But he was talking about the evil people as a category. So when Jesus said this generation will not pass away, he's not talking about the generation at that time. He's talking about a category of people. In this context, it's about the elect, the believers. Those he will gather from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. That means the category of the people known as the believers or the elects, including you and me from all time and space, will be present as these things take place. The point of the verse is that you don't have to worry about the future because your future is secured. You know that by discerning the signs of the time and seeing what God sees. It doesn't mean you know the exact time and date. Jesus said, But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. Verses 32 to 33. God doesn't want us to know the exact time and date of His coming because He doesn't want us to focus on it. It's meaningless and vanity. It's against God's will to keep calculating the date of Jesus' coming. So don't do that. And He says, don't even believe in anyone who tells you that they know. Instead, He wants us to focus on stewardship. Stewardship of His property, this great green earth, stewardship of his people and stewardship of his gifts. In this passage, he talks about the stewardship of vision. He says, it's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slave in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. We are his slaves or servants to care for his property, this great green earth. He gives each of us different assignments and different gifts to apply and multiply. That's what he wants us to focus on, to get busy with the present tasks rather than worrying about the unknown future. We have talked about this when we cover the parable of the talents. In this verse, he emphasizes the job of a doorkeeper, indicating the stewardship of vision. Then Jesus ends the passage with the main theme of this teaching. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. Verses 35 to 37. Five times in this passage, Jesus used the phrase, keep alert, or keep awake. To keep awake is to be good stewards of vision and discernment, allowing us to see what God sees. To fall asleep spiritually is when you drift into the temptations of the world to react to the noisy criticism of the cicadas, quails, and other small creatures. So let us maintain our discernment and see what God sees so that false teachers crafty prophets, and the noise of the world cannot deceive us. Let us have the mind of Christ and maintain our discernment. That's it for today. I hope you find this message illuminating as much as I enjoy receiving it from the head office. Until we meet again, keep your light shining brighter and broader and harvest the fruit of profound freedom, purpose, and happiness. Amen. Bye now.